Do you need to lie down? Go for a sleep or anything? No. no? You okay? Right. No. You sure? That'll be after this. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Chazelle's new film, is it Babylon? It's going to be three mm-hmm. hours, nine minutes or something. So I was like, how long until we start getting the articles about how to time your toilet breaks? <laughs> well, there is, there is a website or an app that you can there use. Isn't. There is. Seriously, there is. I've, oh, I have read about it. it and it tells you the best times to go and have a, have a quick wee during long hilarious. films. That is absolutely hilarious. It's funny because I remember this all kicked off with The Irishman, which I didn't really understand anyway because it was on Netflix. So if you really needed to pee, you could just pause it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but it's yes. Beca- it's, but it's become this thing of like, oh my God, a three hour long movie. You know, here's how to tie your toilet breaks. But I think, I mean, from what I've seen from that trailer for uh, Babylon, it looks, I mean, it certainly looks excellent. It's very, you know, like sort of gilded age kind of, you know, the smoky eyes, the big curls and the sort of flapper dresses, it all looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we need big releases. That's the thing. We need big films. Do you know the thing? There's not a lot of them going about. Well, having said that, I mean, obviously Black Adam was out three weeks ago and now Wakanda Forever's out now, so we've got big films, but... Yeah, um, but I don't think don't... people are... I don't think people are going to see them. Like, I don't think Black Adam performed that well, if I'm right. Well... It depends where you where you actually look. If you look at the mm. some of the stats, like it's the biggest opening of the Rock's career and things like that. So right. it's difficult to gauge. I think it was a success. It was definitely a success. I, I don't mm. know what they were talking about, sort of opening weekends and things like that, rather mm. than long term. You can't really tell until maybe about a month in with a lot of these films how it does its repeat business and how much it drops in the second and third week. Because apparently, normally films drop about uh, about forty or fifty percent in the first week, unless you're Top Gun Maverick, of course. In which case, unless, you're still yeah. you're still going. Well, see, I wonder then because I noticed this with see how they run, and I think the Wonder is doing the same thing as well, and certainly All Quiet in the Western Front. It was an extremely limited cinema release. Now, I mean, like you know, you yeah. had to be available at like half nine on a Tuesday morning in London or something like that, and that ran for two weeks. And then straight to Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. And I'm wondering, is this going to be the model now? Like you have it for two weeks and then it's a streaming because they seem to think that's where the drop-off will be. Not with sure the Netflix ones. They are releasing so that they get around the rules of mm-hmm. eligibility for films for BAFTAs and Oscars and stuff like that. Oscars state that a film has to be in a cinema for seven days within the sort of the period that is for 2022 films it has to be in the mm-hmm. cinema for a week i think it's like before the end of december or something like that right and BAFTA's something similar i think it's just purely for awards and it gives it that wee bit of extra publicity as well outside of people who would normally watch netflix it's it's actually in the cinemas for a couple of weeks so film reviewers will review it rather than yeah. maybe not if it's just going on to netflix but i think with the likes of see how they run and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it, they were just cutting the losses on them because they weren't doing that well. 
That's a shame. I really enjoyed it. It was like proper. I mean, it's it wasn't particularly city brilliant, but it was just really good fun. It was like a proper. Mm-hmm. You know, it it had all the sort of like you know nudge nudge wink wink to the all the Agatha Christie tropes and stuff like that, and it was obviously trying to get you involved with the actual you know the mouse trap and the kind of monologue at the end. I just thought this yep. was. I, th- I thought it was just really light hearted and really good fun. It's a shame that I do feel like I'd, I almost you know I. I look at I, sometimes I ponder like where cinema's going because you do have so many like blockbuster releases and then l- films like that which I would say are not they're not little indie films you know there's a big cast mm-hmm. there you know that it will have been expensive to make and whatever and it just seems a strange one that, that because it's maybe not a you know a superhero movie or like a really gritty like war film like you know Western Front or something like that that they're just sort of disappearing and it's a shame because it was a really good quality film yeah but on the the other side of that, they are obviously using the likes of these films to increase their their user base on the likes of mm. Disney because people who do like movies but don't necessarily like going to the cinema anymore will see these type of films and go, oh, quite like to see that. That's quite good, you know. And it's 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 good yeah. content for these for these platforms rather than just blockbuster films transferring over onto. Yeah, and it's something a bit wee bit different. And like I say, it's I I couldn't quite understand why it got such a limited release and and so few screens, given the number of people who were in the film and all that. You know, it just didn't make particular sense. But if people are not going to see, I think it's got to do a lot of it's got to do with let's see cinemas during the day. Mm -hmm. They are reliant on an older audience. Yeah, and there's only so many people who want to go and see. You know, Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam. They want yep. to see these type of films, but yep. these people are not going back to the cinemas. And that's borne out by the fact that the likes of Cineworld used to be open, I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning it would open. Mm-hmm. And it would show films, obviously, all day. Now it's 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon before it actually opens mm-hmm. because they're not getting the people through the doors in order to actually make any money. So it's cheaper for them to not open as early. I mean, the, the nearest Cineworld to me, the one at Parkhead, mm-hmm. obviously to, nearest to my work. I used to be mm-hmm. able to go there. I could finish at lunchtime and go and catch mm-hmm. a couple of films and all that. It's four o'clock in the afternoon before they actually start showing films a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Not at the weekends, but during during the week, yeah, it's three, four o'clock in the afternoon. that You just can't see wow. anything before then because people are not going. They're just not... I- Comfortable. I'm honestly shocked at that. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I obviously haven't been to cinema in a wee while. So the two films that I went to see, obviously, the other weekends, uh, Banshees of Inisherin, completely full. And I mean, like, full. Mm-hmm. And then Barbarian, there was maybe about 10 people in a smaller hall. So that yeah. wasn't mobbed. But I was surprised that, again, because I've not really... I'm surprised that Banshees of Inisherin. I would have thought it'd been the other way around. Put it that way, you know, Barbarian. You're you know, advertised as your sort of big horror type. I was surprised at the the numbers. However, my viewing experience at the Banshees of Inisherin was that the girl too along from me decided to literally take phone calls and text during it because she, in inverted commas, didn't understand it and there was nothing going on anyway. Oh, for fuck's sake! Ah, oh, well, you get that an awful lot, but just leave then. <laughs> Yeah. I know, if you don't like it, just fuck off out the cinema. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. it's dead simple. Rather so, than using it as time to catch up in your social medias, you know, that's just that's just people being arseholes. It, it happens all the time. It happens yeah. everywhere. Well, it's just 
I don't know if you saw the thing that's happened. Obviously, it's spoilers. If you've not seen Black Adam, there was a critic whose name I can't remember. He's a like a YouTuber in America, and he filmed his reactions to Black Adam. But mm-hmm. he must have had someone sitting like two or three rows in front of him in the cinema with a phone or whatever, because obviously there's a quite an important character, you know, returns yes. uh-huh. in, in the film. And he f- had someone like with li- like people literally with lights like focused on him in the cinema and film. Can you imagine if you'd walked into a screen like that? Yeah, I'd be, that's, that's a nightmare because you're just distracted. Because yeah. the, the room's so dark, Any anybody taking a phone out and looking at it is just a total distraction. It's, it's, it's not on. It's, it's bad manners. It really is. But people do that all the time. You can see it all the time when you go to the movies. And it's... Yeah, and it- Horrible. I do. I do wonder if it's because we get used to watching films at home. Because, like, I've been to the theatre a couple of times, and there was definitely nobody on their phone there, and that was quite a clear divide between, like, you know, at the theatre, it's definitely seen as a big no-no still. Whereas at the cinema, it, I don't know if it feels like a more casual experience, or because we are just used to checking our phones while we're watching Netflix. But I've noticed it more and more at the cinema. The phone usage thing it is. It's, but I am like four thousand years old, so I'm like, can you put your phone away? Yeah, no, you're you're right. But all that does is lead to conflict and arguments, and you end up not enjoying the film. And a lot of it's down to the cinemas because they have a lot of them have cameras actually in the cinemas, mm-hmm. and they can look at the crowds. And you can see uh, when you go past their sort of the, the wee desks, mm-hmm. you know, for, when you're checking in, they've got cameras, they've got the, yeah. the screens, and you can see, they can see what's going on in these screens. So uh, these cameras are powerful enough that they can pick up somebody lighting up a mobile phone, so they should be right in there. But there's only one or two people actually working, yeah. and yeah. they're on minimum wage, so they're not going to take out any responsibility upon themselves in order to go in and start an argument with somebody and get kicked out, you know, because that will just lead to somebody getting battered, you know. It's... 100%. So it's just, it was, it was an interesting, I think because as well, because it's such a, and we'll obviously go and talk about it, it's such a, an emotional film that you didn't want anything to draw you out of what was happening, because you really yes, had to. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah it's, it's you, you want to be engrossed in these films. Well, you want to be engrossed in any film, let's face it, when you're you're getting pulled out of it in that way. It's different if you're getting pulled out of it by something stupid that's actually happened on screen or something daft or a music cue that just goes, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. (laughs) When it's somebody in the audience and you've got to wonder why they're actually there in the first place if they're thinking, well, this is a bit boring. I think I'll just go on my phone for a while. You know. Well, that's what I was wondering. I was trying to recall, because we've spoken about this in pods before, about sort of like mismatched marketing, as, as I would call it, like where the trailer mm-hmm. looks like one film when you go and see it, obviously that's something else. I think the trailer for Banshees of Inisherin has been very realistic as to mm-hmm. the type of film. that It's not sold it as like a buddy comedy or like a Father Ted type of, you know, Irish humour type of thing. So I think the trailers are quite clear. So that's why I was like, well, you, you knew what you were getting into sort of thing. Why are you here? Well, there's a wee bit of that because a lot of it was from the team that brought you in Bruges. Yeah, so I maybe, but even then, that wasn't a, a happy-go-lucky, you know, buddy, yeah. buddy comedy film or anything like that. That was a wee bit deeper than it purported to be at, at first. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's. I don't think marketing's really got much to do with it in this case. But yeah, in a lot of cases, it is right. Yeah, you get a film and it's advertised as being. 
a certain thing. I always remember there was a, it was a trailer for a film and it had, I'm trying to remember, I can't even remember the, the, the lead actor's name in it now, but the trailer was a minute and a half long. It was mm-hmm. full of action. There was shootouts and all sorts. And then when you saw the film, you went, that took up about 30 seconds of actual screen time <laughs> in the film. It was a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful film. <laughs> I hate that when you're like, okay, so you've literally put all the jokes in the trailer or all the yeah. action and the rest of it's just, I mean, kudos to whoever's putting the trailers together. They've obviously had to work hard to find some good bits, but yeah, no, I hate that. I hate when you're like, okay, everything that I've seen that that I enjoyed, I literally could have mm-hmm. just watched the trailer. <laughs> that would have been enough. Yeah, more and more now, the filmmakers are having input to trailers because they're kind of sick Ooh. of so many plot points being given away and stuff from like the third act and all that actually mm-hmm. in the, the the trailers and but you don't know at the time but then when you see the film you say well i saw that but you know or yeah. you're sitting waiting for a bit to happen and then if it doesn't happen to the final fight you're going oh, fair enough yeah I, yeah i was told about that before you, you still get that an awful lot especially in i've, I've seen it in a few things in netflix from netflix yeah. trailers and all that you get the stuff that happens in the final or you you get an image or something you know how they like to have like when you go and view a film there's an image that comes up when you're scrolling yeah. through and the images from like <laughs> you know a big tense moment at the end for two people <laughs> holding guns to each other's head or something like that you know that has happened quite in fact with the other night because I, I watched i caught up watched boiling point and then i was looking for that athena i think the image from that is from one of the big tense moments to work and i was I'm sure it is because actually I remember looking at it going, that's I, after I'd watched it going, that's a bit of a giveaway as to, you know, whose side a character might be on or what happens. You know, it's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one when they choose. I get that they're obviously trying to draw you in, but spoilers. I know, I know. It's just, it's a bit it's a bit weird. Let's face it. Yeah, I obviously went to see that lovely Hans Zimmer string quartet as well, which was incredible. Oh, of course, yeah. That was really good. I then caught up on some Netflix as well because I think it was, it was somebody on Twitter I noticed kept mentioning that Athena and I was like, no, I'm good. it was one of those nights where I was like, well, Boiling Point's only like 90 minutes. I think the Athena's just over 90 minutes. I was like, I can easily get these two done in one night. And I mean, it was a bit of an intense <laughs> night of uh, Netflix viewing. But yeah, it's, it's been really good to actually get back to that and, and just not feel like I need to go to sleep the minute I've spent five minutes watching something. Yeah, uh, I know who you mean. I haven't actually been back at the cinema since, uh, when was the last time? It was just before COVID. I went to, I had a press screen and it was for Banshee's film and Barbarian mm-hmm. as well. I missed the last one, although I was back at work. I thought, no, I better go back to work rather than taking an extra day off. So, uh, that, I, kind of last of you. <laughs> I know, I know. But I actually went to an opera last weekend. Oh, lovely. Uh, called... I went to see Anna Dammer, which is a Spanish opera. It's a Ooh. Scottish opera we're doing it. It's about the murder of a writer in 1920s, 1930s Spain. It was really good. Ooh, was that was amazing. Sitting, it was really good, yeah, but somebody was sitting in front of me taking photographs. Believe it or not. I know. <laughs> I hear with me saying I think people behave better at the theatre. No, they do, but this this was a this was a, an unusual one. But yeah, I but it was really good. It was it was excellent. It was a very modern opera, so it was only it was first performed about twenty years ago. And uh, wow, it's it's 
just getting revived and stuff. And it was great. It was really lovely, you know, staging and everything, really kind of dramatic and all that. And it was all really short scenes and everything. So that was really good. And I'm going to see Pride and Prejudice sort of tonight at the Kings. I've seen this advertise. It looks good fun. Ah, yeah. It's just we we had a a voucher from ATG Theatres because we'd booked stuff during COVID and it had all been cancelled. So they gave us this voucher and it's to be used by... I think it's like the middle of next year or something. So we'd right. uh, booked a couple of things. So, um, well, that's great. Aye, it was, pretty, it was pretty good. So uh, we're going to that tonight. So that should be um, quite fun. But uh, I real, like I said to uh, both you and Simi, I realised I hadn't actually seen Pride and Prejudice. So I had to I honestly can't believe this. I, I thought, I just assumed that everyone had seen it. Because obviously the Colin Firth one is, is so famous yeah. for reasons. Um, yes. But actually the... Matthew McFadden, Keira Knightley one did quite well. I seem to think at the cinema uh-huh. as well. Yeah. I just assumed everyone it was one of these kind of classics that everyone had seen at some point. And I do, I love Alison Steadman and I love her and the the TV series with Jennifer mm-hmm. Ayl. I think she's brilliant in it as well. It's just I just always assumed that because it's kind of I feel like it's usually on maybe like ITV Four or BBC Four, like fairly often. Yeah. I just kind of thought everyone had seen it. Yeah, it's it's one of these ones. It's always around but I've never really watched any sort of Jane Austen stuff that in fact the first Mm -hmm. Jane Austen thing I saw was Love and Friendship about four years ago and that's that was one of the sort of lesser ones that was just a Mm -hmm. like a a film version and that was really good that was the surprise film at the Glasgow Film Festival 2016 2017 and people walked out just as it's naughty <gasps> because of, you know what? No, because they were expecting something else. They were expecting a bigger film or something. I don't know, but either just oh, that's ridiculous and complaining about it and saying, but it's a surprise film. You don't know what it is, you know. But exactly. it was it was actually pretty good, yeah. But yeah, so oh. I watched that on Tuesday night. Basically, I couldn't I couldn't get the Colin Firth version because it's on BritBox. And I don't oh, have I see. Yeah. But the Kira Knightley one, the Joe Wright directed one, was on mm-hmm. Netflix. So I watched that. And it was excellent. It was really, really good. Really enjoyed that. So I'll be looking forward to going out tonight as well. Yeah, no, that, that sounds really good. And actually, you'll be proud of me because I have an opera booked for next year, my nice. first ever. Uh, I'm going to see Carmen at the Theatre Royal, which I'm very, very excited about because I love the music from that. And so to actually mm-hmm. see it live, I'm very excited about. And when I, I booked it with my my colleague who I go to Barden the Botanics with every year, and yeah. as I booked it, I was like, John would be proud of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think I've seen that one maybe about six. These things that tend to come round. Yeah. They, they tend to do like a couple of big operas a year and a couple of small ones, new ones or whatever. So I think I've seen that one. I'll, I'll check. I've got the programs for most of them because we usually get a program oh, for it, you know. So, uh, but yeah, oh, that'll be good. That'll be excellent. Like I say, the music's really good on it. So yes, lovely. Yeah, Could and I feel like Chris to go now. No, so my my colleague Joe and I go to Bard and the Botanics together every year. Obviously, you know, COVID aside, Joe's Joe's knowledge of Shakespeare is actually frightening. It's so good. And mm-hmm. so, and it like, I feel like I'm also like watching him watching it as well because it's like I want to know if he thinks it's good. We went to see the Tempest this year, and it was such a such an unusual production because it was very out of sync with how like the usual sort of running order, and it was almost meant to sort of allude to dementia and you know sort of elderly care and all that sort of thing. And I thought the theme was interesting, but Joe's a purist and was quite upset that it was not 
in the usual sort of linear narrative. So he's a big opera fan and, you know, he doesn't really have anyone to go with. And I was like, well, I would really like to go and see one live. There's no way I'm getting Chris to go and see an opera. The Book of Mormon was about the the most musically thing I could get him to go and see. Good enough, yeah. Um, so yeah, we have booked to go and see Carmen. Although he, d- he did love Book of Mormon, obviously, Chris did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how could you not? Yeah, that's I think the most musical thing I'll ever get him to to go and see, either at the cinema mm. or in a theatre. It's just not his bag at all. Nice. The Mouse Trap is coming next year as well. To the king. Do you know? I have like honestly, for all that I watched that, see how they'd run. I've never seen the Mouse Trap, and I actually don't same. know how it ends. No, nope, same. I don't know. I've got no idea. But it's apparently it's touring next year. The, I only, I've, somebody told me this, but I think I knew it already with the mouse trap. The film rights of it were sold mm-hmm. back uh, just after it started its run, and it was the film. There was a clause in the film rights that it couldn't be made until the show actually stopped performing in the West End, and obviously it's been doing it for it years. It never has. So. Yeah, so uh, they, they they touch on that. That's one of the the reasons to make somebody a suspect, and that's see how they run. Because obviously mm-hmm. they're they do a sort of it's Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody's character is this kind of sleazy producer. You've seen it, haven't you? No, no, but I've seen the trailers no. and stuff. So yeah, I just yeah. So he's the kind of sleazy producer who's trying to get the film up and running, and, he, and he's sort right. of playing the actors off against each other, like saying to Sylvia Sims, like, "Oh, do you know that Grace Kelly's reading for your role and stuff like that?" You know, he's really trying to <laughs> amp it all up, and uh, so that's one of the reasons, or the sort of we set everybody up. Obviously, potentially everybody could be a murderer, you know, in a typical Agatha Christie. Uh, fashion so it was it's really really well done yeah because there's obviously that other one and then there were none yes which is uh-huh. uh which used to be called something a little more controversial i think it was but that's the sort of ultimate because <laughs> they all drop off one by one in that, that yeah. story did they not do a tv series of that i think it's charles dance and adrian turner i think so yes. yeah 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 is that the one that was set in an island or something? They all went yeah, they were all in a big kind of house. Yeah. 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 That's right, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, well, that film, Bodies, 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 kind of plays off of that same sort of idea. Oh, I've not or, seen that. Is that good? It is. It's, it's really good. It's like, you remember the game Murder in the Dark? Yeah. Where, uh-huh. Yeah, it was the same, same sort of idea as that. Somebody's the murderer and they have to basically... Murder somebody, but it's all done mm-hmm. in fun. But obviously, people start dying for real, <laughs> <laughs> and it's set during the middle of a big. It's, it's really clever the way they did it because obviously it's set modern day, but they uh-huh. can't contact anybody outside because there's a massive big storm going on. So all the powers uh, out and phones are out and stuff good. like that. Yeah. So you think, I so it's it's a good way of getting around that and still having a modern setting rather than setting like in 1978 or something like that. You know? Yeah. Oh no, that does uh, sound great. Well, that, that's a, that does sound fun. I, I've seen the trailer, but again, I maybe just missed it. It maybe just wasn't yeah. on a long enough run by the time I get back to the cinema and stuff. But that does sound cool. Barbarian, that might be a Shudder one, eh? That'll probably come to Shudder or something like that. It just depends. Shudder t- tend to do originals rather than buying in stuff. They, they get stuff in sort of later on, after a couple of years. They, I think they leave it to the, the bigger streamers too get these things and then they just buy them when the, the license runs out after like six months or a year or whatever. Yeah, aye, they've they've got quite a lot of good stuff, Shudder. It's a lot of interesting yeah. wee horror films. I know Simi subscribes to it. Yeah, I know Chris has a subscription as well and we've been watching that. Is it Eli Roth's History of Horror? 
Mm-hmm. And there's the thing about the, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's also the one where it's like, I don't want to say when movies go wrong, but it looks at things like, you know, Rosemary, like Curses and like, you know, Rosemary's Baby or The Wizard of Oz or, you know, all these films where there's maybe like a lot of deaths or mysterious circumstances surrounding them. So I, I quite like stuff like that. It does always make me wonder though, like see actors, like obviously going into like a horror film and stuff like that, this is going to make me sound like such a wimp, it's unreal, right? You're obviously <laughs> on a set, so it's not really dark and you're not really crawling through a, you know, a tunnel to go and see a monster yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But do some of them not absolutely shit themselves doing this stuff? Of course they do, yeah, they must do. Because it's, the way that it's set up, I think there must be elements of it and you think, mm. aye, they, they must be getting into it because like some of these sets will be, Mm-hmm. Built in such a way that it's, it's more enclosed and everything like that, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it can be quite stressful, I'd imagine. Well, I think so because I because what I wanted to find out, and I did obviously realize this after the film, is that again, don't put this in because it's got spoilers. The yep. mother character was obviously a man doing sort of practical, you know, effects like yeah. that sort of thing. So you would actually have been face to face with this like mm-hmm. seven foot like that. I would have absolutely lost my fucking mind. Oh yeah, I mean, so many actors say it's so much better when you're acting against someone or mm-hmm. a physical, ah, as opposed physical. to the tennis ball on the stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or nothing. Sometimes you know, there's there's nothing there. Uh, there's some interesting stuff. I I watched one of these Marvel assembled things, and it was to do with She Hulk. And mm-hmm. there was scenes of her and her friend when she was actually in the She-Hulk character. And she's all dotted up with all these things. But she's got a big pole with her, the face of She-Hulk about a foot and a half above her because She-Hulk's so much taller than she is. Yeah. So she has to act against this, you know, has, has to look up beyond the, the normal person, which is quite funny. It's interesting the way they do it, yeah, but it, it must be so much more gratifying been able to act against something real a person that actually because then you can it's not all totally scripted and things like that there's mm-hmm. there's a wee bit of leeway for a wee bit of improvisation and, and almost like genuine horror like you say if you're faced with mm-hmm. something like that the, the mother character you're going to be repulsed by it no matter mm-hmm. what so yeah, yeah. Right? It's a good point. I yeah, just, definitely. I, I do just wonder about that because I, the, because I've been watching that thing and it was a woman. I think her dad was one of the writers in Rosemary's Baby, and mm-hmm. obviously there was a lot of like, you know, I think he died a terrible, like, you know, cancer death and stuff like that. And there was obviously like other actors who you know mysteriously disappeared and all this stuff. And I, I do kind of, I'm like, is it like if you got a role in and it was like, you know, your character is going to be part of this like, you know, massive like devil cult or something like that? Is it ever part of you that goes? Maybe I shouldn't dabble with this, even if I am only acting. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. Well, totally. Of course. Yeah. There's things you want to avoid. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I honestly think you're going to love Western Front. I think so. Yeah. Based on watched the, the there's a couple of trailers for it on Netflix, and I've watched them both, and I've obviously read up on some of the reviews, your own review of it as well, obviously, and. It's it looks really good. I I like these war films. It's not a typical war film, you know. It's it's more about the people rather than the situation. Yeah. More, you know what yeah. I mean. It's the people stuck in these situations yeah, yeah. rather than like the battles and the heroes and stuff like that. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, the book is that's one of those books I will always go back to, and I will always feel very very emotional 
reading it and I'm always like skeptical when I love a book so much because like for example Alone in Berlin which Brendan Gleeson actually was in the the movie of that mm-hmm. which is such a te- such a terrible adaptation that I was kind of like oh are they really going to do this with Western Front like I you know I, I'm always really skeptical about these books that are so powerful honest to god I leapt out my skin several times and the soundtrack oh my god it's phenomenal and I've been listening to it, although the problem is there's like three really big like horn blasts in the soundtrack that every time I have it on my Spotify I'm like fuck 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 <laughs> so but it's so well done and it just it captures that whole some of it's a bit on the nose but it really really captures this whole disconnect between you know fucking men making decisions and these poor boys yeah being used as cannon fodder so it's I think you'll really enjoy it though yeah it's like when they they talk about it in Blackadder when they're talking about a new push and they say oh you know why does Kitchener want to move his drinks trolley six foot closer to Berlin you know it's that kind of idea it's the total disconnect if they're not thinking about the actual people involved yeah oh and do you know the thing is that's uh, somebody put a clip of that on Twitter the other day of the Blackadder goes forth that still makes me feel really like this is supposed to be a comedy But yeah, this is this is brutal, and Daniel Bruhl's got a very very small part in it. But you know, obviously, has you know he's he's sort of there to sort of highlight this nonsense yeah. of you know men in suits, as it were. But it's oh, honestly, I think it might be one of the best war films I've seen in years. Like that's how good it is. Nice. Oh well. Even better than 1917 in Dunkirk, and that's seen mm-hmm. something. Wow, jings! Big shoes to fill. I've never seen the previous film. Was it? It was a US film, wasn't it? Yeah, they bought the rights. So the thing is, and I touched on this in my review, they bought the Universal bought the rights for it because it's published in 1928. They bought the rights for it and made the film and released it in 1931. But then Mm -hmm. the book was banned, I think, by 1933 or four in Germany, obviously, because it's very anti-war. And they didn't want young boys reading it and going, I'm not fucking signing up for an army. So then they remade it again in the 70s, I want to say, but I've not seen that version. Yeah. Who was in the 30s version? Was it Gary Cooper? No, he he was Mm. after that. No, I can't remember. I don't know if it's anyone... I can't think if there's anyone in it that's... Because I remember looking at it and thinking, I don't think I recognise anyone in the cast. No, I mean, Lou Ayers, Louis Wolheim, John Ray. I'm not recognising any of these names at all. No. No. Interestingly, though, I was reading that they were going to do an English language remake, or again, obviously before mm-hmm. they made it a German production, and they were going to have uh, Travis Fimmel, the guy that plays Ragnar Lothbrok in Vikings, as cats. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Which would have been a quite nice match for that character, but I'm glad it's in German because it, it should be. Yeah, it kind of makes sense that the, the it's a German language version because mm-hmm. so many films are better in the native language definitely because you get more from it you definitely do and it's not the same with people putting on (laughs) bad german accents oh they're always honking aren't they they really are nobody's it's always yeah it it reminds me of my papa used to watch like old episodes of like alo alo (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah it's it's, a lot of these things are not a million miles away from the way that especially in some war films you know it's just some of them they don't even try which is yeah. probably better, you know. Like Death of Stalin, for instance, didn't even try to do oh, accents; he just did accents, you know. So yeah, it's so good. So yeah, 